Section 24 of Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 12. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chris Pyle. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 12, Section 24. Selected Poems by John Dryden. From the Hind and the Panther. A milk-white hind, immortal and unchanged, fed on the lawns, and in the forest ranged. Without, unspotted, innocent within, she feared no danger, for she knew no sin. Yet had she oft been chased with horns and hounds, and Scythian shafts, and many winged wounds aimed at her heart, was often forced to fly, and doomed to death, though fated not to die. Not so her young, for their unequal line was hero's make, half human, half divine. Their earthly mould obnoxious was to fate, the immortal part assumed immortal state. Of these a slaughtered army lay in blood, extended over the Caledonian wood. Their native walk, whose vocal blood arose and cried for pardon on their perjured foes, their fate was fruitful, and the sanguine seed endued with souls increased the sacred breed. So captive Israel, multiplied in chains, a numerous exile, and enjoyed her pains, with grief and gladness mixed. Their mother viewed her martyred offspring, and their race renewed, their core to perish, and their kind to last. So much the deathless plant the dying fruit surpassed. Panting and pensive now, she ranged alone, and wandered in the kingdoms once her own. The common hunt, though from their rage restrained, by sovereign power her company disdained, Grinned as they passed, and with a glaring eye, gave gloomy signs of secret enmity. Tis true she bounded by and tripped so light, they had not time to take a steady sight, for truth has such a face and such a mien as to be love needs only to be seen. The bloody bear, an independent beast, unlicked to form in groans her hate expressed. Among the timorous kind, the quaking hare professed neutrality but would not swear next her the buffoon ape. As atheist Jews mimicked all sects and had his own to choose. Still when the lion looked, his knees he bent, and paid a church a courtier's compliment. The bristled Baptist boar, impure as he, but whitened with the foam of sanctity, with fat pollutions filled the sacred place, and mountains leveled in his furious race. So first rebellion founded was in grace, but since the mighty ravage which he made in German forest had his guilt betrayed, with broken tusks and with a borrowed name, he shunned the vengeance and concealed the shame. So lurked in sects unseen with greater guile, false Reynard fed on consecrated spoil. The graceless beast, by Athanasius first, was chased from Nice. Then by Socinus nursed, his impious race their blasphemy renewed, and nature's king, through nature's optics viewed. Reversed they viewed him lessened to their eye, nor in an infant could a god descry. New swarming sects to this obliquely tend. Hence they began, and here they all will end. What weight of ancient witness can prevail if private reason hold the public scale? But gracious God, how well dost thou provide for erring judgments an unerring guide? Thy throne is darkness in the abyss of light a blaze of glory that forbids the sight, 
O teach me to believe thee thus concealed, And search no farther than thyself revealed. But her alone for my director take, Whom thou hast promised never to forsake. My thoughtless youth was winged with vain desires, My manhood, long misled by wandering fires, Followed false lights, and when their glimpse was gone, My pride struck out new sparkles of her own. Such was I, such by nature still I am, be thine the glory, and be mine the shame. Good life be now my task, my doubts are done. What more could fright my faith than three in one? Can I believe eternal God could lie disguised in mortal mold in infancy? That the great maker of the world could die? And after that trust my imperfect sense, which calls in question his omnipotence? Can I my reason to my faith compel, and shall my sight and touch and taste rebel? Superior faculties are set aside, shall their subservient organs be my guide. Then let the moon usurp the rule of day, and winking tapers show the sun his way. For what my senses can themselves perceive, I need no revelation to believe. Can thee, who say the host shall be descried, by sense define a body glorified, impassable and penetrating parts? Let them declare by what mysterious arts he shot that body through the opposing might of bolts and bars impervious to the light, and stood before his train confessed in open sight. For since thus wondrously he passed his plain, one single place two bodies did contain. And sure the same, omnipotence as well can make one body in more places dwell. Let reason then at her own quarry fly, but how can finite grasp infinity? Tis urged again that faith did first commence by miracles, which are appeals to sense, and thence concluded that our sense must be the motive still of credibility. For latter ages must on former wait, and what began belief must propagate. But winnow well this thought, and you shall find, tis light as chaff that flies before the wind. Were all those wonders wrought by power divine, as means or ends of some more deep design, most sure is means, whose end was this alone, To prove the Godhead of the Eternal Son. God thus asserted, man is to believe, Beyond what sense and reason can conceive. And for mysterious things of faith rely On the proponent heaven's authority. If then our faith we for our guide admit, Vain is the farther search of human wit. And when the building gains a sure stay, We take the unuseful scaffolding away, Reason by sense no more can understand, The game is played into another hand. Why choose we then, like Belanders, to creep Along the coast and land in view to keep, When safely we may launch into the deep In the same vessel which our Saviour bore, Himself the pilot, let us leave the shore, And with a better guide a better world explore? Could he his Godhead veil with flesh and blood, And not veil these again to be our food? His grace in both is equal in extent, the first affords us life, the second nourishment. And if he can, why all this frantic pain to construe what his clearest words contain, and make a riddle what he made so plain? Take up half on trust and half to try, name it not faith, but bungling bigotry, both knave and fool, the merchant we may call, to pay great sums, and to compound the small. For who would break with heaven, and would not break for all? Rest then, my soul, with endless anguish freed, nor science is thy guide, nor sense thy creed. Faith is the best insurer of thy bliss, 
The bank above must fail before the venture miss. To my dear friend Mr. Congreve, on his comedy called The Double Dealer. Well, then the promised hours come at last. The present age of wit obscures the past. Strong were our sires, and as they fought they writ, conquering with force of arms and dint of wit. Theirs was the giant race before the flood, and thus when Charles returned our empire stood. Like Janus he the stubborn soil manured, with rules of husbandry the rankness cured, tamed us to manners when the stage was rude, and boisterous English wit with art endued. Our age was cultivated thus at length, but what we gained in skill we lost in strength. Our builders were with want of genius cursed. The second temple was not like the first. Till you, the best Vitruvius, come at length. Our beauties equal, but excel our strength. Firm Doric pillars found your solid base. The fair Corinthian crowns the higher space. Thus all below is strength, and all above is grace. In easy dialogue is Fletcher's praise. He moved the mind, but had not power to raise. Great Johnson did by strength of judgment please. Yet doubling Fletcher's force, he wants his ease. In differing talents both adorn their age, one for the study, t'other for the stage. But both the Congreve justly shall submit, one matched in judgment, both o'ermatched in wit. In him all beauties of this age we see, Etheridge's courtship, Southern's purity, the satire, wit, and strength of manly witcherly, all this in blooming youth you have achieved. Nor are your foiled contemporaries grieved. So much the sweetness of your manners move, we cannot envy you because we love. Fabius made joy in Scipio, when he saw a beardless council made against the law, and joined his suffrage to the votes of Rome, though he with Hannibal was overcome. The old Romano bowed to Raphael's fame, and scholar to the youth he taught became, oh, that your brows my laurel had sustained. Well, had I been deposed, if you had reigned, the father had descended for the son, for only you are lineal to the throne. Thus when the state one Edward did depose, a greater Edward in his room arose. But now not I, but poetry is cursed, for Tom the second reigns, like Tom the first. But let them not mistake my patron's part, nor call his charity their own desert. Yet this I prophesy, thou shalt be seen, though with some short parenthesis between. High on the throne of wit and seated there, not mine, that's little, but thy laurel wear. Thy first attempt and early promise made, that early promise this has more than paid. So bold, yet so judiciously you dare, that your least praise is to be regular, time, place, and action may with pains be wrought, but genius must be born, and never can be taught. This is your portion, this your native store. Heaven, that but once was prodigal before, to Shakespeare gave as much, she could not give him more. Maintain your post, that's all the fame you need, but tis impossible you should proceed. Already I am worn with cares and age, and just abandoning the ungrateful stage, unprofitably kept at heaven's expense. I live a rent charge on his providence. But you, whom every muse and grace adorn, whom I foresee to better fortune born, be kind to my remains, and, O, oh, defend against your judgment your departed friend. 
Let not the insulting foe my fame pursue, but shade these laurels which descend to you, and take for tribute what these lines express. You merit more, nor could my love do less. Ode to the pious memory of the accomplished young lady, Mrs. Anne Killigrew, excellent in the two sister arts of poesy and painting. Thou youngest virgin daughter of the skies, made in the last promotion of the blest, whose palms new plucked from paradise and spreading branches, more sublimely rise, rich with immortal green above the rest. Whether adopted to some neighboring star, thou rollest above us in thy wandering race, or in procession fixed and regular, moved with the heaven's majestic pace, or called to more superior bliss, thou treadest with seraphims the vast abyss. Whatever happy region be thy place, cease thy celestial song a little space. Thou wilt have time enough for hymns divine, since heaven's eternal year is thine. Here then a mortal muse thy praise rehearse in no ignoble verse, but such as thy own voice did practice here, when thy first fruits of poesy were given, to make thyself a welcome inmate there. While yet a young probationer and candidate of heaven, if by traduction came thy mind, our wonder is the less to find a soul so charming from a stock so good. Thy father was transfused into thy blood. So wert thou born into the tuneful strain, an early, rich, and inexhausted vein. But if thy pre-existing soul was formed at first with myriads more, it did through all the mighty poets roll, who Greek or Latin laurels wore, and was that Sappho last which once it was before. If so, then cease thy flight, O heaven-born mind, thou hast no dross to purge from thy rich ore, nor can thy soul a fairer mansion find, than was the beauteous frame she left behind. Return to fill or mend the choir of thy celestial kind. May we presume to say that at thy birth new joy was sprung in heaven as well as here on earth, for sure the milder planets did combine on thy auspicious horoscope to shine, and even the most malicious were in trine. Thy brother angels, at thy birth, strung each his lyre and tuned it high, that all of the people of the sky might know a poetess was born on earth. And then, if ever, mortal ears had heard the music of the spheres, and if no clustering swarm of bees on thy sweet mouth distilled their golden dew, t'was that such vulgar miracles heaven had not leisure to renew. For all the best fraternity of love, solemnized there thy birth and kept thy holiday above. O oh, gracious God, how far have we profaned thy heavenly gift of poesy, made prostitute and profligate the muse, debased to each obscene and impious use, whose harmony was first ordained above for tongues of angels and for hymns of love. O oh, wretched we, why were we hurried down this lubric and adulterate age? Nay, attended fat pollutions of our own to increase the steaming orgers of the stage. What can we say to excuse our second fall? Let this thy vestal, heaven, atone for all. Her Arethusian stream remains unsoiled, unmixed with foreign filth, and undefiled. Her wit was more than man, her innocence a child. Art she had none, yet wanted none. For nature did that want supply, so rich in treasures of her own, she might our boasted stores defy. Such noble vigor did her verse adorn, that it seemed borrowed, where t'was only born. Her morals, too, were in her bosom bred, by great examples daily fed. What in the best of books her father's life she read, 
and to be read herself she need not fear each test and every light her muse will bear though epictetus with his lamp were there even love for love sometimes her muse expressed was but a lambent flame which played about her breast light as the vapors of a morning dream so cold herself whilst she such warmth expressed twas cupid bathing in diana's stream born to the spacious empire of the nine who would have thought she should have been content to manage well that mighty government but what can young ambitious souls confine to the next realm she stretched her sway for painture near adjoining lay a plenteous province and alluring prey a chamber of dependencies was framed as conquerors will never want pretense when armed to justify the offence and the whole fief in right of poetry she claimed the country open lay without defence for poets frequent inroads there had made and perfectly could represent the shape the face of every lineament and all the large domains which the dumb sister swayed all bowed beneath her government received in triumph wheresoever she went her pencil drew whate'er her soul designed and oft the happy draught surpassed the image in her mind the sylvan scenes of herds and flocks and fruitful plains and barren rocks of shallow brooks that flowed so clear the bottom did the top appear of deeper too and ampler floods which as in mirrors showed the woods of lofty trees with sacred shades and perspectives of pleasant glades where nymphs of brightest form appear and shaggy satyrs standing near which them at once admire and fear the ruins too of some majestic peace boasting the power of ancient rome or greece whose statues freezes columns broken lie and though defaced the wonder of the eye what nature art bold fiction ere durst frame her forming hand gave feature to the name so strange a concourse ne'er was seen before but when the peopled ark the whole creation bore the scene then changed with bold erected look our martial king the sight with reverence strook for not content to express his outward part her hand called out the image of his heart his warlike mind his soul devoid of fear his high designing thoughts were figured there as when by magic ghosts are made appear our phoenix queen was portrayed too so bright beauty alone could beauty take so right her dress her shape her matchless grace were all observed as well as heavenly face with such a peerless majesty she stands as in that day she took the crown from sacred hands before a train of heroines was seen in beauty foremost as in rank the queen thus nothing to her genius was denied but like a ball of fire the farther throne still with greater blaze she shone and her bright soul broke out on every side what next she had designed heaven only knows to such immoderate growth her conquest rose that fate alone its progress could oppose now all those charms that blossoming grace the well-proportioned shape and beauteous face shall never more be seen by mortal eyes in earth the much lamented virgin lies nor wit nor piety could fate prevent nor was the cruel destiny content to finish all the murder at a blow to sweep at once her life in beauty too but like a hardened felon took a pride to work more mischievously slow and plundered first and then destroyed o oh, double sacrilege on things divine to rob the relic and to face the shrine but thus sorienda died 
Heaven by the same disease did both translate, as equal were their souls, so equal was their fate. Meantime her warlike brother on the seas, his waving streamers to the winds displays, and vows for his return with vain devotion pays. Ah, generous youth that wish forbear, the winds too soon will waft thee here. Slack all thy sails, and fear to come. Alas, thou knowest not, thou art wrecked at home. No more shalt thou behold thy sister's face. Thou hast already had her last embrace. But look aloft, and if thou kinst from far, Among the Pleiades a new-kindled star, If any sparkles, than the rest more bright. Tis she that shines in that propitious light, When in mid-air the golden trump shall sound, To raise the nations underground. When in the valley of Jehoshaphat The judging God shall close the book of fate, and there the last assizes keep, for those who wake and those who sleep, when rattling bones together fly from the four corners of the sky, when sinews o'er the skeletons are spread, those clothed with flesh and life inspires the dead, the sacred poets first shall hear, the sound and foremost from the tomb shall bound, for they are covered with the lightest ground, and straight with inborn vigor on the wing, like mounting larks to the new morning sing. There thou, sweet saint, before the choir shall go, As harbinger of heaven, the way to show, The way which thou so well hast learned below. A Song Fair, sweet, and young, receive a prize Reserved for your victorious eyes, From crowds whom at your feet you see, O oh, pity, and distinguish me, As I from thousand beauties more Distinguish you, and only you adore, your face for conquest was designed, Your every motion charms my mind. Angels, when your silence break, Forget their hymns to whom you speak, But when at once they hear and view, Are loath to mount and long to stay with you, No graces can your form improve, But all are lost unless you love. While that sweet passion you disdain, Your veil and beauty are in vain, And pity then prevent my fate, For after dying all reprieves too late. Lines printed under Milton's portrait, in Tonson's folio edition of The Paradise Lost, 1688. Three poets in three distant ages born, Greece, Italy, and England did adorn. The first in loftiness of thought surpassed, the next in majesty, and both the last. The force of nature could no farther go, to make a third she joined the former two. Alexander's Feast, or The Power of Music a song in honor of St. Celia's Day, 1697. T'was at the royal feast for Persia won by Philip's warlike son. Aloft in awful state the godlike hero sate, on his imperial throne his valiant peers were placed around, their brows with roses and with myrtles bound. So should desert in arms be crowned. The lovely face by his side sate like a blooming eastern bride, in flower of youth and beauty's pride. Happy, happy, happy pair. None but the brave, none but the brave, none but the brave deserves the fair. Chorus Happy, happy, happy pair. None but the brave, none but the brave, none but the brave deserves the fair. Timotheus placed on high, amid the tuneful choir, with flying fingers touched the lyre, the trembling notes ascend the sky, and heavenly joys inspire. The song, 
began from Jove, who left his blissful seats above, such is the power of mighty love. A dragon's fiery form belied the god, sublime on radiant spires he rode. When he to fair Olympia pressed, and while he sought her snowy breast, then round her slender waist he curled, and stamped an image of himself, a sovereign of the world. The listening crowd admire the lofty sound, a present deity they shout around, a present deity the vaulted roofs were bound. With ravished ears the monarch hears, assumes the god, affects to nod, and seems to shake the spheres. Chorus. With ravished ears the monarch hears, assumes the god, affects to nod, and seems to shake the spheres. The praise of Bacchus, then the sweet musician sung, of Bacchus ever fair and ever young, the jolly god in triumph comes, sound the trumpets, beat the drums, flushed with a purple grace he shows his honest face. Now give the hoteboy's breath, he comes, he comes, Bacchus, ever fair and ever young, drinking joys did first ordain. Bacchus's blessings are a treasure, drinking is the soldier's pleasure. Rich the treasure, sweet the pleasure, sweet is pleasure after pain. Chorus. Bacchus's blessings are a treasure, drinking is the soldier's pleasure. Rich the treasure, sweet the pleasure, sweet is pleasure after pain. Sued with the sound, the king grew vain, fought all his battles o'er gain. And thrice he routed all his foes, and thrice he slew the slain. The master saw the madness rise, his glowing cheeks, his ardent eyes, and while he heaven and earth defied, changed his hand and checked his pride. He chose a mournful muse, soft pity to infuse. He sung Darius great and good. By too severe a fate, fallen, 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 fallen from his high estate, and weltering in his blood, deserted at his utmost need, by those his former bounty fed, on the bare earth exposed he lies, with not a friend to close his eyes, with downcast looks the joyless victor sate, revolving in his altered soul, the various turn of a chance below, and now and then a sigh he stole, and tears began to flow. Chorus Revolving in his altered soul the various turns of chance below, and now and then a sigh he stole, and tears began to flow. The mighty master smiled to see that love was in the next degree. T'was but a kindred sound to move, for pity melts the mind to love. Softly sweet, and Lydian measures, soon he soothed his soul to pleasures. War he sung his toil and trouble, honor but an empty bubble. Never ending, still beginning, fighting still and still destroying. If the world be worth thy winning, think, oh, think, it worth enjoying. Lovely face sits beside thee. Take the good the gods provide thee. Many rend the skies with loud applause. Love was crowned, but music won the cause. The prince, unable to conceal his pain, gazed on the fair who caused his care and sighed and looked, sighed and looked, sighed and looked, and sighed again. At length with love and wine at once oppressed, the vanquished victor sunk upon her breast. Chorus. The prince, unable to conceal his pain, gazed on the fair who caused his care, and sighed and looked, sighed and looked, sighed and looked, and sighed again. At length with love and wine at once oppressed, the vanquished victor sunk upon her breast. Now strike the golden lyre again, a louder yet and yet a louder strain. Break his bands of sleep asunder and rouse him like a rattling peal of thunder. Hark, hark, the horrid sound has raised up his head, 
as awakened from the dead and amazed he stares around revenge revenge timotheus cries see the furies arise see the snakes that they rear how they hiss in their hair and the sparkles that flash from their eyes behold a ghastly band eat a torch in his hand those are grecian ghosts that in battle were slain and unburied remain inglorious on the plain give the vengeance due to the valiant crew behold how they toss their torches on high how they point to the persian abodes and glittering temples of their hostile gods the princes applaud with a furious joy and the king seized a flambeau with zeal to destroy they sled the way to light him to his prey and like another helen fired another troy chorus and the king seized a flambeau with zeal to destroy they sled the way to light him to his prey and like another helen fired another troy thus long ago ere heaving bellows learned to blow while organs yet were mute timotheus to his breathing flute and sounding lyre could swell the soul to rage or kindle soft desire at last divine cecilia came inventress of the vocal frame the sweet enthusiast from her sacred store enlarged the former narrow bounds and added length to solemn sounds with nature's mother wit and arts unknown before let old timetheus yield the prize or both divide the crown he raised a mortal to the skies she drew an angel down grand chorus at last divine cecilia came inventress of the vocal frame the sweet enthusiast from her sacred store enlarged the former narrow bounds and added length to solemn sounds with nature's mother wit and arts unknown before let old timetheus yield the prize or both divide the crown he raised a mortal to the skies she drew an angel down Achitophel from absalom and Achitophel. this plot which failed for want of common sense had yet a deep and dangerous consequence as when when raging fevers boil the blood the standing lake soon floats into a flood and every hostile humor which before slept quiet in its channels bubbles over so several factions from the first ferment work up to foam and threat the government some by their friends more by themselves thought-wise opposed the power to which they could not rise some had in courts been great and thrown from thence like fiends were hardened in impenitence some by their monarch's fatal mercy grown from pardoned rebels kinsmen to the throne were raised in power and public office high strong bands if bands ungrateful men could tie of these the false Achitophel was first a name to all succeeding ages cursed for close designs and crooked counsels fit sagacious bold and turbulent of wit restless unfixed in principles and place in power unpleased impatient of disgrace a fiery soul which working out its way fretted the pygmy body to decay and o'er informed the tenement of clay a daring pilot in extremity pleased with the danger when the waves went high he sought the storms but for a calm unfit would steer too nigh the sands to boast his wit great wits are sure to madness near allied and thin partitions do their bounds divide else why should he with wealth and honor blessed refuse his age the needful hours of rest punish a body which he could not please bankrupt of life yet prodigal of ease and all to leave with what his toil he won to that unfeathered two-legged thing a son 
God, while his soul did huddled notions try, and born a shapeless lump like anarchy, in friendship false, implacable in hate, resolved to ruin or to rule the state, to compass this the triple bond he broke, the pillars of the public safety shook, and fitted Israel for a foreign yoke, then seized with fear, yet still affecting fame, usurped a patriot's all-atoning name, so easy still it proves in factious times, with public zeal to cancel private crimes, how safe is treason and how sacred ill, where none can sin against the people's will, where crowds can wink and no offense be known, since in another's guilt they find their own, yet fame deserve no enemy can grudge, the statesman we abhor, but praise the judge. In Israel's courts, ne'er set in a Bethden with more discerning eyes, or hands more clean, unbribed, unsought, the wretched to redress. Swift of dispatch and easy of access, oh, had he been content to serve the crown, with virtues only proper to the gown, or had the rankness of the soil been freed from cockle that oppressed the noble seed, David for him his tuneful harp had strung, and heaven had wanted one immortal song. But wild ambition loves to slide, not stand, and fortune's ice prefers to virtue's land. Achitophel, grown weary, to possess a lawful fame and lazy happiness, disdained the golden fruit to gather free, and lent the crowd his arm to shake the tree. Now manifest of crimes contrived long since, he stood at bold defiance with his prince, held up the buckler of the people's cause against the crown, and skulked behind the laws. The wished occasion of the plot he takes, some circumstances finds, but more he makes, by buzzing emissaries fills the ears, of listening crowds with jealousies and fears, of arbitrary counsels brought to light, and proves the king himself a Jebusite. End of section 24. Recording by Chris Pyle.